Hello, Share Your Truth Live listeners. Taylor here. I'm our Outreach and Social Media Manager. We have another episode ready for y'all, and our guest, Laura Kinslow, is a domestic violence survivor, thriver, and advocate, aiming to help women realize that they can heal with proper tools. Not only is she the founder of the Wayward Women podcast, which welcomes survivors to share their stories of healing, but she'll also be launching FlyFree.today a program that tackles the financial barriers and accessing trauma therapy and coaching. We're honored to have her in this space with us today. So everybody, let's welcome Laura. Hi, thank you so much for having me here on your podcast. Very excited. I would love if you could walk us through your journey as a survivor and how you came into the work you do today. Sure, that's a great question. Um, And I want to caveat that no two experiences are alike and no two journeys are alike. But in a very Cliff Notes nutshell, I had a lot of childhood trauma and that kind of, mm-hmm. you know, when we have childhood trauma, we make a lot of our life's decisions based on the beliefs we have about ourselves. And so I entered into a marriage very young that was um, turned very physically violent And uh, it took me about eight years to leave that, to get the courage to leave that. Um, That in and of itself was terrifying. And um, I didn't know back then, you know, here I was broke with nowhere to live, nowhere to go with two kids dependent on me. And I didn't have finances or money to get coaching or therapy. Like I didn't know that even existed. and. I pretty quickly jumped into another marriage thinking that I met like my soulmate and the person that was going to just rescue me from all my problems and all my stuff. And I um, know now in hindsight that I fell into another, uh, my, my only requirements of that next marriage was like, well, if he doesn't hit me, and cheat on me. Mm-hmm. That's good, right? Like then we're good. Yeah. Then I don't. What else would I need? And um, yeah. you're like, we are not good, actually. <laughs> Let me. We tell were you. not good. It was like once that love bombing phase, that honeymoon love bombing phase wore off. I was kind of already in the web, so to speak, and that was actually mm-hmm. just as damaging a relationship as my first one. Um, in that it was very emotionally abusive, gaslighting, manipulation, (laughs) making me feel crazy. Uh, By the time I left that marriage, I was a shell of myself. Mm -hmm. It was awful. I didn't know. I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I left that marriage as well with basically with a backpack. I left everything. And um, I had to reflect. And in my reflection, I caveat, no one deserves abuse and it's never our fault that we get abused. Uh-huh. Like there's no excuse for abuse, but I did have to look at myself and say, I am the common denominator here. Like what's going on with me that I've, what am I doing that I'm attracting or not? I don't want to say attracting, but um, what am I doing that I'm choosing these people? I'm attracted to these people. And then I try to justify it. Right. And I wanted to work on myself mm-hmm. and I spent years Um, in therapy and coaching, working on myself and learning so much about that, like what we are exposed to in childhood, like a lot of the programming we get, the beliefs we have about ourselves, like we kind of make choices in our life based on those beliefs. And until we change those beliefs and really Mm. heal ourselves, 
then we can, and it's no one's fault. Like we do the best we can with the information that we have at the time. And again, in, in no way am I blaming anyone for finding themselves in an abusive situation. It's not your fault. We never deserve it. But it is a really, I, I realized I wanted to become somebody who would educate people. And the other part of that is when I was feeling crazy, like my second husband used to tell me that I was crazy and, mm. and you start to believe it. Right. And, you know, yeah. I would find myself in the bathroom, like pulling my hair out or like clawing at my face or something just because I was like, so had so much like rage inside of me and like anger and mm-hmm. like, And when I started learning, my sister sent me a a podcast one day that was like, when the narcissist and the codependent meet. And that was the first thing that opened my eyes, getting educated of like, oh my gosh, this feels so familiar. And the more I dug into podcasts and education and like websites like your guys' website, the more I started being able to put names to things and be like, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. This is actually manipulation. Yes. This is gaslighting or this is called stonewalling. It has a name, you know, it's like when you learn all of these things have a name, you're like, I'm a tactic. Yes. It's like, I'm not crazy. I'm not. Oh my gosh. And then I couldn't like put the toothpaste back in the tube, so to speak. Like once I started Mm -hmm. learning, I couldn't unsee it. And I did try to talk to my ex-husband about it, you know, and the manipulation increased tenfold. Um, so that was when I ended up leaving and saying, I want, I wonder what would happen if I invest in myself, work on myself, whether that was like, you know, at a shelter or coaches or therapy or whatever your financial mm-hmm. situation is, you know, um, highly recommend figuring out your why and your own self-worth and what your beliefs actually are. So that's kind of how I ended up in this space. I wanted to become that coach for people. Wow. So incredible. I'm like, where do I even begin to jump into all of these things you said? You gave like the perfect spark note story. And I'm like, wait, so many things I want to amplify. One of them being you sharing that, of course, nobody deserves abuse. I think that's huge. I think that's a message that I always want to make sure we're amplifying. And I appreciate that you were able to kind of step away. What it sounds like you stepped away, reflected on your life, and saw like, wow, all these things I experienced early on have impacted me and impacted the way that people are showing up. Because of course, we know, likely when you experience abuse in childhood, or even younger age domestic violence, that impacts the people you date or the people you get into relationships with. So I appreciate you kind of sharing the perspective of looking at what you can control and how you can choose to grow and invest in yourself to get out of these situations. So I just like appreciate bringing that mindset of like, no one deserves abuse, but also we have power that we can find and kind of claim within ourselves to move through that. So I just want to say thank you for sharing your story too, and just letting us into, you know, how you came into this movement and what your journey looks like. I know that most of this conversation, we really want to chat about navigating holidays. We are in the holiday season Um, And we know that that is an extraordinarily or can be an extraordinarily difficult time for survivors or people who are impacted by domestic violence, whether that's to increase stress, increase emotions, a lot of financial stuff going on that I cannot wait to dig into with your coaching business. We know survivors feel extra isolated. There's triggers all around and just 
lots of lack of support, possibly escalation of violence. So a lot of different things going on. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to you, if you, before we jump into speaking to other folks, have you personally felt the holidays are a tough time for you or no? They used to be for sure. Sometimes still like, so when I left my first husband, it was incredibly challenging. Um, because my kids were younger at the time. And I imagine like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I think I probably speak to a lot of people when they say it's like, man, it was, it was so hard. It was so hard that first few Christmases and holiday seasons that I had taken that leap to leave my first, you know, my first abusive husband. I was terrified of him still. So I did, I didn't mm-hmm. really ever want to rock the boat with him. I had no money. I was I was a yoga teacher at the time working at a rock climbing gym because it gave me flexible hours to be with the kids, but I could barely keep the lights on. So I felt a lot of shame around that. Like he had this great job. Um, he could, you know, he had a new girlfriend. They could give the kids all this stuff. And I know that's not what it's about, but at the time it was like, it was sad. It was depressing. I guys yeah. Giving a loan, you know, and then it was like, mm-hmm. I... Christmas shopped at like the Goodwill and lost and found at work because I didn't have any, I didn't have enough resources like to get the things I wish I could have for my kids. And in hindsight, my kids are now 21 and 27. And Mm -hmm. um, they're always like, mom, (laughs) that was never what it was about. And I appreciate that. But, you know, stuff like that was hard. Like I remember questioning myself, like, because I felt like I couldn't be there to protect my kids from the stuff that they still had to face with him. You know, um, mm-hmm. it felt lonely. Like, I think you said the word isolated. I felt isolated and alone. Yeah. And when I did get married to that second person, it almost felt like a fake family. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah, like I was trying so hard. Yeah, it was, it was tough. Holidays are tough when you're a survivor, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of people who leave and don't have finances. There's a lot of financial abuse that maybe has happened. It's, it's, yeah. I think even now I'm three years out from my second marriage and 12 years out from my first marriage. And I still, I still sometimes I'm like, man, I, I wish I had was able to give my kids different memories maybe, or like even as an adult who's really healthy now, like, like I'm grateful they're going to come fly to see me this, this Christmas, but it's just, yeah, it's it just wow. does can make it challenging um, emotionally for sure. Mm-hmm. And thank you for kind of just like sharing and digging into different aspects that you personally struggled with. I really love that you can have conversations with your adult children now too, like about the past, and they mm-hmm. can kind of give you that validation of like it's not what it's about. Like it's not about gift giving, but it's hard. We live in a society that really puts these expectations on like giving gifts in the holidays and like all of these social expectations of having that like perfect family. So I can imagine like that idea of feeling like when you said like a fake family image kind of of like putting on this facade of like, we're great. Like life is good. Like I think this is a huge thing that a lot of survivors find themselves doing during the holidays. Of course it's not everybody. So keeping in mind when we're having these conversations, we're just talking about possibilities um, and that folks may be facing. Yeah. And I think like, you know, I think some of the shame comes from like, no one gets into a relationship thinking or hoping it's going to end in abuse of any kind. Right. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we get into relationships because we think we're in love or we want to have a family with somebody. And, and when that changes, like we have to grieve it. And that's part of it too. Mm-hmm. And I think, like yeah. you said, you hit the nail on the head. Like there's just such societal, like every movie on Netflix already is like the happy family Christmas. And like, right. Like you just want to like create these memories and mm-hmm. we never get into these relationships expecting or hoping it's going to end up the way it does. So there's just like a lot of grief involved, I think. Yeah. I do love that you flagged that. Cause I think it's so easy for folks who aren't in it or haven't really had similar experiences to not understand why folks are within the relationships or why it can be really difficult to leave or not really understanding that like there was love and so much good intentions from at least one party where it's like, damn, I did not want to get, obviously I don't want to get divorced or experience abuse. And like, this is grieving the life I had, the life I could have, like all of these things. So I, I just appreciate you bringing grief up in it because I think it's important feeling that maybe not particularly everybody associates with experiencing domestic violence. Yeah, that's so true that you said that. And then I think like, that's, uh, yeah, it's so true. And it's like, you said it, that was you, you said it, you brought it up. That was all you. Well, you reiterated (laughs) it and it's really true. You know, both of us working in this space, we learn things that people don't know. Right. And, and you said two things Mm -hmm. that impacted me. Like one is like basically the trauma bond, right. That's that chemical addiction is like, I know it, it's like, I know what the good times feel like. And then we walk on eggshells and we try to control because we're just like, I just want this like good times to stay, you know, and we know Mm -hmm. how good it can be abusive. People don't show up abusive every day for the most part. And, you know, it's very confusing. And then we're like, oh, I just want to hang on to the good times, you know, and then, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just important to allow yourself that space to grieve. Yes, I totally, I totally, totally agree. Um, But I would love to hear from you how you think survivors can explore and establish new traditions that promote healing and positive experience during the holidays to help them kind of rebrand what the holidays mean to them. Okay, that's an amazing question. And this just came through me like, so something that I work on with clients is I have like my own coaching clients is I have people create their garden of values. So that's kind of part of like, learning how to rewire our responses and our thoughts, right? It's like, I would suggest for people to like, write down the things that you value, write down the the traditions you want to have, and then see which ones you can actually make a reality, you know, like, um, and if you have kids, like get your kids involved, you know, like, Mm. I love that. It, it can be like a brand new canvas, you know? Um, and that was something I will say that is something my kids and I started to do. I never like wrote things down, but in hindsight, if I could go back and do it again, I would. Like if you are are in this situation, yeah, write down bullet points or like, like I just, like I said, I tell clients for their own life to write down their garden of values. And when they have this like negative thought or this worry or this like intrusive thought, they can look at this value and like pick something that they really want to do. So if you have that with a holiday, like I'm stressed about the holidays, I'm depressed in the holidays, look at your list. Like, what can you do? Maybe you want to say, maybe you want to make gingerbread houses with your kids every year and everyone picks out one ornament or says one prayer or you guys make each other a gift, like whatever it is that you want to start creating as a tradition, like you can, you can create whatever you want going forward. And and I think it would be cool to get your kids involved because they might have cool ideas too. 
This is incredible. Thank you for sharing that snippet into what you do with your clients because I love this idea of the garden of values and how you framed it like this could be a brand new blank canvas. I think that can be really scary and intimidating, but I also think on the other hand, it can be really empowering and beautiful of like, well, like I can actually create this life I want to live or like what the holidays mean to me and my family or my kids or my pets, like whoever you want to spend the holidays with. I just, I appreciate you empowering folks to understand that they can explicitly like write and think about things they want to do and then do them. I think we don't realize that's part of the process of the healing journey, right? Is realizing like when we're in an abusive relationship a lot, it's all, it's power and control, right? So somebody else has power over us. It's like, when you're by yourself, and often when we have been in abusive relationships, we've been like gaslit. We've been told our ideas are stupid. We've been told like we're not good. Like we've just been told that we can't even do things tiny, right? Like you don't yeah. even wash the dishes, right? Whatever it is, right? And so I think it actually could become something healing for people because it's a little. It, you, 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 I'm glad you said that. Like it can be. It can be scary to start over. I remember learning that like the same play, the same part of our brain that processes like fear and anxiety is also the same part of our brain that processes excitement is basically which way we're mm. choosing to perceive it. So when we are been with an abusive person and maybe we have had abuse our whole life, I don't know. But when we've had that, we we don't realize that we do actually have the power and ability to make decisions and to create a good life. Exactly. You know, well said. Like it is so <laughs> it's it's that's just like such a very real statement of just not understanding like the powers that we have to make these yeah. decisions for our life and live the life we want. Because truly the abuse is so manipulative. That is the whole point is to like make you feel like you can't make decisions or you know you can't do things right. And it it has this long lasting effect, but I do believe like we can unwire that. And I like how you brought up even the like signs within the brain. I think that alone, learning about like our brain and how it functions with trauma is like a whole healing thing that we could do many episodes about in general. Because like I think some people like learning about your body and how it responds to trauma can help you like just understand how like real it is and how much of a physical impact there is. Yeah, that that was the most healing thing for me besides education was learning actually how my brain works. And it's almost like people just need to like, remember like, oh, yeah, before this person or before this trauma, I made great decisions or I was really creative. Like you you just kind of just have to remember about yourself and then be like, oh, yeah, I can do this. And let me write down like what I want to do. And if, if somebody's listening and they're they don't have kids and they don't have family and they're alone. Like you said, maybe they have a pet. Maybe they want to volunteer at a shelter that day or walk some dogs or like join a, you know, a spiritual community or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. I feel like there's community in all different types. It's just about mm-hmm. finding which makes you feel best and most fulfilled. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I want to narrow down and focus more on finances um, and this is like a perfect place for you to talk a little bit about your coaching with mm-hmm. with Fly Free. So mm-hmm. I would love if you could, it's kind of a two-parter. One, talk a little bit about your coaching specifically around finances with survivors of abuse. 
and kind of how maybe we can connect it to those expectations we're talking about of gift giving and social gatherings and having to show up not empty handed and, you know, decorating all these things that have such cost. That's awesome. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, I was in super poverty. So when I left uh, my first marriage, when I say I was in like, even like before I left that marriage, my former, the person I used to be married to was no longer working. Like he had given up on life. Like I was supporting us on a Mm. very small paycheck. Like we got our house foreclosed on. It was like, when I say I was in poverty with my kids, like, I mean, I had no vehicle. Um, Mm -hmm. I had to buy a bike like off of Craigslist and spray paint it. And it had no brakes like to get to work till I get to the bus stop to get to like, I knew every like store that this was a long time ago. I don't think you can float checks anymore. And I'm not certainly not advocating for that, but like, you know, 15 years ago to feed my kids, like they didn't run your check. I don't even know if people use checks anymore. They didn't run your check through to check if you had funds, you know? And so I would float checks to get groceries for the kids. I knew like once I got a car, oh my God, it was like, I didn't have gas. So I had a, a coin jar or like you knew what like gas pump to like wouldn't like you could run it as credit and it wouldn't register money like we boiled our water to wash clothes like at the apartment like it was just we were in poverty Mm -hmm. like it was for what you need to survive yeah yeah and there is some shame around that and I just want to normalize like we all go through like not all of us but some of us go through that hard time where we don't have family saying, here's money, let me help you. We don't have finances. We are like, I mean, my kids and I, my kids and I struggled like a lot. Like, I think I sold every single thing that I had to try to sometimes just keep the lights on. Or many times we didn't have the lights on, you know, and the internet would get shut Mm -hmm. off. I could go on and on and on, you know, of how tough it was until I was able to, my sister gave me the idea of starting a virtual assisting business. I kid you not, the computer I had was taped together Mm. because the screen didn't work. So I could like put electric tape to push on a certain part of the top of my laptop and then like hook it to the bottom of my laptop. So it would push the laptop just right. So I could see my screen. That was how I worked. Mm -hmm. And I thought if these people ever saw how I was working, like they would probably not hire me never yeah you know but it was like a blessing like I was able to start making a little more money and be at home and and it was such a blessing in disguise and fast forward to now I am so thankful I'm have abundance and I've grown multiple businesses and taught other people how to grow businesses and now I have an abundance and I recognize that I had no insurance for me and the kids, like getting therapy, finding a coach that wasn't even an option, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, at the same time, I realized like if that had been an option to me, I can't even explain. Like sometimes I just think like, man, if somebody had given me a leg up in that time, like how different mm-hmm. maybe things have been. And I, it makes me upset <laughs> that, I just think mental health, especially for survivors, like finances should not be the barrier to entry. And I get almost emotional talking about it. Yeah. And that's okay. Let it out. 
I just get emotional. I'm so passionate about it because I know how hard it is and I know how hard it was. And mm-hmm. uh, that's why I went to coaching school to become a trauma-informed coach because I wanted to become the coach that I knew that I needed. And I see, and there's nothing wrong with this, but I see coaches who are like, they just charge so much money. And I so get much it. money. So, so much money. Some are like hundreds. Like I remember reaching out to and they were hundreds, like throw $333 a session. It's like, I do pretty it's well. It's like a hundred, exactly. It's like and 300. I, <laughs> yeah. And even a hundred, like even a hundred, it was like, gosh, yes. if you go every week, that's four or 500 bucks a month. And it's like, yes. I, I didn't even have that back in the day. Like, you know, and I just, I have so much compassion for myself and my kids and the people who God put in my path to help me. And I'm just like, I need to pay it forward. And um, so I've created Fly Free. And my vision for that, I'm actually in the process of building the website. Um, So it's not quite launched yet. But my vision for Fly Free, and I'm hoping to launch it by January, is that it will only be $10 a month. And if somebody can't afford $10 a month, reach out. I will give you, I will pay for it myself for you to be in my group. Because what I would like to create is a community. It's going to be a subscription community for $10 a month that every anybody can join, but they they have they're gonna have to go through me. It's gonna have to be vetted. They're gonna have to fill out a form so I can make sure like people who are coming in are safe and and like an abusive partner isn't sneaking in or something, you know. I mm-hmm. mean um, the whole community is gonna be password locked. Um and and um, everyone will have their own password to get in. But in that in this community, all the educational tools that I have for sale, all the courses that I've ever made. Um, are going to live in there. There's going to be a forum so people can like support each other and people can send and post um, questions. And then every week, at least once a week, maybe twice a week, I will go in and do live coaching with the group and people can ask questions live time, encourage each other. And I just want to educate people. I want to teach them how to rewire their own brain, look at their trauma different, look at their life different. Um, I just want them to have all the resources I've already arranged for people I know in this space to come in and help guest teach. Um, I have a a friend who I'm going to pay her once a month to come on and do like breath work teaching and like helping people do somatic work to help them just, you know, come back to their body to deal with their trauma. I have another friend who's going to come in and help do like art. So it's truly going to be a whole community, but every single week they will get access to me to coach and if people need more assistance with like one-on-one you know they can do that with me as well yeah so right wow. now do you have a stand store it's standout slash fly free and in there i do have like a free little toolkit and then i am putting in a mental health toolkit that's very affordable um, that people can buy it's like 19 bucks but the actual community is only going to be ten dollars because I don't care about the money part of it. I just want people to be able to get tools, to get healthy, to have community, to know they're not alone, to get education and to just start learning all the things that mm-hmm. I've learned. And um, it's like, I think it's like my purpose and my like life's mm-hmm. work. Wow. One. So <laughs> Sorry, feelings. I cried. I just, wait, 
No, 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 no. Please don't ever apologize for crying. I want to thank you so much, actually, for showing up and being vulnerable and leaning in in that moment. I think it's really easy to not do that. So I just appreciate you just being so authentically yourself. And I think it's very clear how much you put into this and how much you love this and just what it means to you. So please don't ever apologize for crying. We need to stop doing that more. Crying (laughs) is so healing and so important. And I think we find ourselves being sorry. And it's like, why? (laughs) You know, I know anyone you're brave. Thank you. And anyone who's listening, it's just, I guess, even a reminder to myself that years out, it's still painful. And it's like, you can heal from it. Even a coach, you know, still has those emotions because I think back to those times and I'm like, man, I have no idea how the kids and I made it sometimes, you know, no idea. Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) we have been through Mm -hmm. so much and my kids are 20, like I said, 27 and 21. And the three of us are this little trifecta of awesome. They are like my, we are so tight and so close and they're such healthy, great kids. It's like, it doesn't even define how your kids are going to turn out, you know? So I just want to caveat mm-hmm. that, but wow. yeah, I'm excited to that. About well, and I am taking, I'm trying, I have a free download in my stand store because while I'm building the website, I want to collect email addresses so people can go in and get, I developed when I was still healing, I developed a little thing I used to use for myself called maps. And it was like my mental map, right? Like my compass every day. I made an acronym out of the word maps. So M is like mindset, um, meditation, A could be like whatever resonates with you, like acceptance, um, yeah. attitude. Affirmations. Yeah, affirmations. P is for like positivity, uh, perseverance. S was for like stillness, solitude. Like every day when I was still at the end of that abusive relationship, I created that for myself, which I had no idea at the time was like actually partially how you start to rewire. And when I would like, mm-hmm. I would wake up and I would set the intention, like, what do I want to do on my day so that I'm okay today? I'm going to meditate. I'm going to try to accept my circumstance. I'm going to persevere, like whatever it was. Right. And so exactly. I made I turned that into a free download. So anyone who's interested or wants more information about fly free i'm like they'll get that free guide but then i'll get their email address and as fly free gets closer to launching i could you know reach out and let people know you know this is the launch date if you want to join or know anyone who wants to join so Mm -hmm. and we would be more than happy to put that information in our show notes as well even if something's not live we are happy to support you I love hearing about fly free and everything that's going on. I think creating accessible resources is so important because truly therapy shouldn't be a privilege. Like it it should be something that's accessible to everyone at any time of their life Mm -hmm. for however long needed. And I think you creating a place where folks can throw $10 and get so much out of it is awesome. And I could also even see like folks wanting to like sponsor folks who are entering into this platform like me just hearing you talk about it makes me want to be like okay I would love to donate ten dollars and cover the cost of somebody you know so it's like I think there's such a community (laughs) you're like this is this is now a working meeting (laughs) and a podcast (laughs) like this would be amazing because there there are people (laughs) that that there are people that can't I mean I couldn't afford I actually have somebody that I coach for free right now uh, because she was like, I, I cannot afford 10. She's like, I really want to join your community. 
but I don't even think by January, I'm going to be able to float $10 a month. And I'm like, all right, who cares? What day can you meet? Like, I just want to help Mm -hmm. people from a certified coach who's been through it, like help people at least learn how to rewire. And um, and to your second question. Yes, it was about navigating the financial expectations during the holiday season. Okay, so my other passion is helping people figure out how to make money, Um, whether it's through like digital marketing or like, what are your talents? Like, that's another thing I want eventually want to help coach people around. I do have a separate group with two other women called um, Passive Income with a Purpose, where we do kind of help try to coach people. And we do it for free on Instagram live every Wednesday night, because we want people to have the opportunity to make their own money. Because um, it is possible. And the thing that really changed my life was when I started my own virtual assisting business. And um, I just want to mostly say, like, I understand the feeling of shame and maybe embarrassment or frustration at not having finances, especially in the holidays. Like I said, I did years where I Christmas shopped at the Goodwill. I Christmas shopped at thrift shops. The gym that I used to work at let me Christmas shop out of the lost and found. I, my kids and I would make each other cards or like we would make each other ornaments and they would just like, we would write really sweet notes to each other. We would always make like a certain recipe that was like pretty cheap to make called monkey bread. And it was like, we still make oh, it. I love monkey bread. Yeah. It's so good. It's the best. It's so good. You know, I, I would hate to see people maybe be like, Oh, I need to max out a credit card just to get my kids gifts or something like my, like in hindsight, having adult children, like I said, they were just like, that's, that's not what it was about, you know? And it's like, they have such an appreciation for what we do have now. And, um, try to, if you're in the situation where you don't have finances, instead of feeling shame around it, what are the things that you can do? You know, I was the queen of free when my kids were young. Like what, experiences can we do that are free we can go drive around that was our favorite thing i can look at the lights yes Yes. that was our favorite Mm -hmm. thing to make like hot cocoa at home and go in the car Mm -hmm. and drive around look at christmas lights and that was just like we still do that on christmas like you know what kid there's so much you can do for free if you don't have a car like your favorite christmas libraries yeah. Oh, I yeah. I also think libraries are incredible resources that folks don't utilize as often these days. But like, so many Christmas movies, books, so many different things that yes. libraries offer too. Yes, that's so true. Or like, you know, if you have a six dollar Netflix account, watch Elf or some kind of Chris, like find a Christmas movie the kids love, and it doesn't have to be expensive. Like, let's normalize especially in this economy and especially people leaving abusive relationships that not everyone has finances and it that does not yes. matter. Yes, I'm with you. I think it's just like really normalizing not needing to show up financially in all of these different ways. And I think even personally as like an adult child, I think me and my siblings are very much into like no gifts. Like we're not doing gifts. Yeah. Like We just want to like be with each other or like share gratitude regularly, but the need to buy something, it just 
I think when you get older and you reflect on it, it's easier to be like, wow, like I'd rather just spend time with the people I love and just like share words. But yeah, I just, I appreciate you really diving into that and like walking us through what that's like, because like shame is so powerful and so real and it's a very difficult emotion to work through. And I think our society is so capitalistic and inflation is out of control right now. And it's just like the basic things are very hard to manage, let alone a whole holiday. I mean, I think I do pretty well now and I still am tight from like groceries. Yes. And, you know, life is expensive yes. for sure. And I and I want to say too. Life is so expensive. Yeah. I want to say too, as somebody who has adult kids that we've now come through, we're now on the other side of that, right? Your kids are not going to remember like the new phone or like the trendy sweater you bought them. They're going to remember the move. Oh, we always watched this movie. Mom always yeah. made this food. We always looked at Christmas lights that we always sang this song or whatever. Like your, your, your kids are going to remember the memories, not the things. And so, and I just love that we're talking about this because I just think the more we can normalize it, it's not a shameful thing. Like I even look back now and uh-huh. I tell myself like, I wish I hadn't gotten so upset about it because my kids and I always had fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I kind of want to shift gears and talk less about the financial aspects of the holidays and maybe more about the emotional. So I'm curious to what advice or words of wisdom you have for survivors who may be feeling overwhelmed and anxious about the holidays. Nothing needs to be perfect. Just Mm. enjoy. Like that's something I think, especially when we've had trauma or abuse, there's a part of us that is so wound tight and like, oh, we mean like, oh, I, I have to have everything perfect because in a way that's kind of how we kept ourselves safe a little bit, maybe. I mean, yep. you know, it's like, we don't have to have everything perfect. Like you don't have to have your house perfect or decorated or, you know, when you feel that overwhelm, just breathe. Um, a friend of mine who is um, a coach taught me some somatic practices that are helpful, just like Mm -hmm. tapping on your body, you know, tapping, deep breathing, you know, there's a lot of free resources on YouTube for stuff like that, like meditation, just how can you take a little time for yourself, you know, and I'm still learning that as well. Like that is actually a symptom of of abuse, of trauma. It's like overworking yourself to make everything be done and perfect. And part of healing your nervous system is by doing something different. And so this holiday season, just practice doing something a little different. Like if something didn't get done, can you be curious about what might happen if I just do it tomorrow instead? Maybe I, you know, try to listen to your body. I think so many of us are so disconnected. Um, So many survivors are disconnected from their body again, as a, It's like, again, how we protect ourselves, right? We're like so hyper attuned to our external environment to keep ourselves safe. Like, like what would happen if you breathe and turn that laser focus back onto yourself, give yourself a little self-care, take a bath, slow down, and just allow your nervous system to just like kind of calm down. Regulate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Regulate. Like, regulate to understand yes 
I yeah. think rewiring our brain and our body and our nervous system is so important work, even if it's like lengthy. It is a very lengthy part of the healing process, but I think it's something that once you notice the changes, it's really magnificent to see. Yeah. And just like witness the way that you change and heal and grow. I have been loving this conversation. We only have one more question yes, left, but I really, I love how when you talk about your experience during the holidays, it's very clear about like your journey of healing and where you've come from and where you are now. I imagine that throughout this time, you've built a support system. I'm kind of curious if you could speak to how important your support system has been and what advice you have for survivors who are looking to build and maintain a support system that maybe doesn't include like their direct intimate family. Oh man, that's a, such a great question. Um, there were years I did not have a support system because I was not really connected to my biological family. And I think it's so important to find people you know, that saying like your vibe is your tribe, you know, like, and I, and I yeah. always clients too, like you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. Like right. you get to choose, like you get to choose. We don't get to choose our, the, by our biological family or right. But we do get to choose as we're healing our community. And, mm-hmm. um, especially in the holidays, like I know a lot of, you know, DB shelters have like support groups. I would just encourage people like, find healthy people that are like, I do an activity with clients where like, it's almost like we take like a bullseye and you have your, like your inner circle, your outer circle, right? Like, like who who do you want in your inner circle? I guarantee you have someone in your life that you can trust that you could look up to, even if they're a thousand miles away, you know, maybe you can reach out to them and start doing a phone call with them. Right. Um, We're never truly alone. And when we're willing to be a little vulnerable, and put ourselves out there, we can start to build community. But having a support system has been one of the best things in my life, like friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, finding hobbies, whatever it is, is like, there's so many different resources that you can use to actually reach out to people and and to find people yeah. that have like common interests to you, common core values to you. And that's where it kind of comes back to that, like, create your garden of values. Like, what are your core values? Yeah. If a core value to you, yeah, like what is it like if a core value to you is like fitness or spirituality or whatever, like you can start to find your people based on your core values, you know, like, well, if let's say spirituality is a core value to you, maybe you want to join a women's group at church. Maybe you want to go to a Buddhist temple, like what, like like whatever, like I know in the city I lived in, in Tucson, we had um, a Buddhist temple that did like a monthly dinner for the community, you know, it's like, start to identify what your core values are. Right. And like, we call it your garden of values, because just like a garden, if you don't water it, it dies. So it's the same thing. If you don't feed your values, right, you need to kind of water your values and and pay attention to them and nurture them. So that's a great place to start, you know, just getting, uh, I mean, this is all stuff that's going to be in fly free, all these like downloads and handouts and stuff. If anyone that listens to your show wants them, I'll just email them to you guys. But just start writing down like, what are your values? What kind of hobbies do you have? What kind of things do you want to cultivate in your life? And then maybe reach out to groups based on whatever those answers are. I think that's like an incredibly practical step that you offered, honestly. Like, I think that's like truly such 
a great way to one connect the garden of values of like everything is connected, like your values, the people you surround yourself and their values, like everything is aligned. So I really just, I love that that is just such a practical step people can do because I think sometimes we share advice and it's like, okay, well, how do I actually put this into practice when you're giving people a literal physical thing they can do right now? And maybe for folks who don't feel ready for that or also feel like they're struggling with finding a community or feeling extra isolated, our support group with Speaker Truth on Facebook is always, always available. I'll plug that just because it's free. It's there. There's thousands of survivors who know what you're experiencing, are ready to support and want to be in that group. So I think that's something, of course, that's always an option. But as we wrap up this conversation, I just can't express my gratitude enough for how thankful I am for having you enter the space, for how you leaned into your whole story and just shared so much value with us. And I just want to say I'm so grateful. I know our audience is going to love this episode. And I kind of want to give you this space to say anything you want to say before we wrap up. Just thank you. Thank you so much for allowing me to share a bit of my story and what I want to do. And I love that you did mention Speak Your Truth because um, I love Hannah. I I even get emotional when I think of you Hannah. Bet. I just love Hannah's story. And I have the Wayward Women podcast. Um, Hannah's been on our podcast a handful of times. And I had the pleasure of meeting her in person for a cup of coffee in Washington. And she's just incredible incredible and speak your truth. The things that you guys have built, you guys have the most thorough resource I've ever seen, even more so than the national domestic violence hotline. Like you guys have an incredible resource. And I agree like your guys' community, um, you know, online communities can be just as supportive and you can get questions answered and continue to get that education. Cause that, that to me, that is that first step is the educational I'm not crazy. There's a name to what was happening. So yeah, your guys' organization is amazing. I really appreciate you having me on. So thank you. Anyone who's listening, you're not crazy. You're not alone. And there's a lot of support. And that's it. Amazing. I couldn't think of a better way to wrap that up. So thank (laughs) you so much for joining us today. And we can't wait to continue celebrating you and just following along all the amazing things you do. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this opportunity. What a special episode that was, y'all. I'm feeling so grateful for Lara and everything she offered us today and just sharing her truth and leaning in and being vulnerable and raising awareness to what the holidays may be like for some survivors or folks who are impacted by domestic violence. We really want to amplify the message that you are not alone, that there's a whole community of folks who care about you. Our Speaker Truth community is always looking to welcome survivors. And remember, you can check out speakyourtruth.today for additional information and resources.